Now you follow as I read from Matthew chapter 20, the same parable that we looked at last week. And Lord willing, we will look at one more time after today. It reads like this. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. <coughs> Pardon me. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found some others found others standing, and he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last workers only uh, worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, that endures forever. Folks, let's begin this morning uh, by kind of summarizing what we know up to this point in our study of the parable. You'll recall the parable opens up by saying, the kingdom of heaven is like. So what you're getting in this parable are some insights as to the nature of the kingdom. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, those are synonyms. So that's what this parable is about. It's trying to communicate to us what the kingdom is like. Now here's what we looked at last week. Number one, we saw that the kingdom has a master, an owner, a king. That's what kingdoms have, our kings. That's the first thing that the kingdom is like, it has a king. Secondly, this king owns it all. It's all his that we're talking about here. And then thirdly, we saw last week that the king of this kingdom is willing to give to us things that we do not deserve and that we did not earn. Now, gang, I, I think it's safe to say that um, we've only scratched the surface, that there are, there, there are other insights that we can get from this parable. 
insights into the kingdom and its operations so that we can glean from the parable more about what the kingdom is like. What more can we learn about kingdom operation? I'm going to mention six things, but before I get to those six, let me say this one thing. Gang, you know this text. It's in Romans 1. It's verse 16. And Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And boy, I bet you've heard that preached before. If you came from the Baptist world, you probably heard that preached before, and you were condemned because you're, you don't talk much about the gospel. Well, that's, a, that's, that's true. Um, but what Paul says is, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because... You know what comes next? It's verse 17. He says, because in it, that is, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Why would I be ashamed of this gospel when it tells me about this great God and what he's done? That's what Romans 1, 16 and 17 is all about. Now, I say that to say this. That's what this parable's doing. It's, it's revealing the righteousness of God. Who could not like learning these things about this God of ours? And so what the, what the parable is doing is the same thing the gospel is doing. It's revealing. It's exposing for us the righteousness of God. Okay? Number one. The whole world is turned upside down by grace. Folks, by that I mean this. There's not another master like this one. In the world of masters, or so-called masters, there's not another one like him. Um, Muhammad doesn't operate like this. Muhammad doesn't give gifts. Judaism pays based only on merit. Buddha doesn't operate like this. Buddha only pays off if the instructions are followed. So of all the other so-called masters, only one does business this way. And his way of doing business infuriates those who think that they have earned their own keep. Not only does it infuriate them, they mock. Why, that's, that's bad business practice right there. I mean, what owner in his right mind would, uh, would pay the same amount to somebody who worked for one hour as he does to somebody who worked for 12 hours. It makes no sense. I mean, not only is it bad uh, economics, it's bad math. If you treat people like this, they will inevitably abuse it. And ladies and gentlemen, people have been saying that for centuries. If you preach the gospel correctly, People will inevitably abuse it, and they'll say, well, okay. Uh, if, I, if, that, if that stuff Jimmy Young's preaching is true, then I can just go live anywhere I want. 
How do I know that, that inevitably it will happen? Well, because the Apostle Paul had to address it when he preached the gospel. He, he addresses it twice in the book of Romans. People saying, well, if, if grace is true, then let sin abound. Said, no, 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 no. F folks, in this kingdom, the kingdom of grace, things do not get calculated like a day's wage. Grace is not about finishing first or finishing last. Grace is about not counting. We receive grace as a gift from God, not as something that we earned. Folks, grace doesn't add up. So this owner, by what he did, overturns conventional wisdom. Everything is turned upside down. Ladies and gentlemen, we are taught from the womb that you get what you earn. And then this owner shows up and he turns everything upside down. Two, according to this parable, ladies and gentlemen, it is not necessary to start early and finish late or to start late and finish early because what God gives is deserved by neither group. God doesn't give away his gifts based on hard work. Um, you know, this God, this owner, could have let every one of them stay in the marketplace and do nothing but twiddle their thumbs and check their Instagram accounts. But instead, he pursues them. And all that he pursues, none of them, whether they come early or late, deserves what they got. Third, the last group, the 11th hour guys, the guy that came and worked only one hour, they show nothing to warrant a claim to a full day's pay. Nobody argues about that. What they got was undeserved. So what you're seeing in this parable, ladies and gentlemen, is the difference between worldly merit and the world of grace. What you're seeing in this parable, ladies and gentlemen, is the difference between law and the gospel. What you're seeing in this parable is the difference between every other world religion versus Christianity. And you who think that all religions are the same, You better go rethink that. By the way, I know one man who is really excited about that last point, which is the last group shows nothing to warrant a claim to a full day's wage. The thief on the cross. 
Oh, he got there real late. He got there after the 11th hour guys. And he's waiting to see you in heaven. Fourth, the principle in the world is that he who works the hardest, he who works the longest, gets the most pay. It's merit-based. We know it well. That's called justice. But God sets aside merit and, and, and ability <clears throat> so that grace can prevail. And folks, here's the dirty little secret. None of us have any merit. All we have to offer is demerit. Well, now, Dr. Young, I mean, that's, that's really negative what you're saying right there. You know, I'm not sure I agree. Go with it. Okay, fine. Let me, let me establish my point or seek to prove it. Do you know what the, the great commandment is, ladies and gentlemen? Yes, you do. For you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. There's not a one of us in this room who's ever done that for 30 seconds in their lives. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. We haven't done that for 30 seconds. So if that's the great commandment, and I haven't done it for 30 seconds, what does that make me? That makes me the great offender. I don't have any merit to offer. All I can offer is demerit. Fifth, no matter how much we work or how well we work or how long we work or how hard we work or what burdens we bear while we work, grace is still the determining factor. Because um, our best work is, as Augustine said, nothing more than a splendid sin. Jimmy Young at his best offers nothing but splendid sins. I want to read you a quote from uh, Philip Yancey. Um, he says this, I grew up with the image of a mathematical God who weighed my good and my bad deeds on a set of scales and always found me wanting. Somehow I miss the God of the Gospels, a God of mercy and generosity who keeps, who keeps finding ways to shatter the relentless laws of ungrace. God tears up the mathematical tables and introduces the new math of grace, the most surprising, twisting word in the English language. Folks, I said a minute ago, you can take that word and distort it. Yes, you can. They've been doing it for 
millennia. But the grace that is on display in this parable is a grace that changes every particle of me. It turns me upside down such that my whole life begins to reflect that change. Now, sixth and finally, um, folks, this master that is on display in this parable does as he pleases, when he pleases, and how he pleases. And he does it quite well. Folks, the, the general sentiment among all those 12-hour guys, you know, the ones that work the 12 hours, uh, and, and perhaps even the 9-hour guys, the general sentiment among them is that what this owner has just done is not fair. It's just not fair. And I'm not going to stand for this. It's just not fair. Now, I want you to notice with me the reply of the master to that charge. Okay? To that accusation. accusation that what he's doing is not fair. Here's what he does. He says, oh, fellas, I'm so sorry. How could I have been so stupid? And he doesn't do that, does he? He says, um, well, you, you guys have got a good point there. And, I, you know, what I think we ought to do is we ought to both go to arbitration. He doesn't do that either, does he? His reply is one of immense strength. Just like you would expect from a master like this. I want you to look at it with me. It's verses 13, 14, and 15. I'm going to read them to you. This is his reply to their accusation that this is not fair. This is what he says. But he replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Tell me, ladies and gentlemen, what is your answer to that question? Is it okay with you that the king of the kingdom does what he wants to do with what is his? 
Is it okay that he does as he pleases? Or, or does he need to check in with you to make sure that what he's doing conforms to your rules of fairness? Come on, ladies and gentlemen. You love this book too. Answer the question. Is it not right? Am I not allowed? And who is it that needs to prevent me? We do. Because we're the ones with the right view of fairness. Folks, let me show you just a little something. And if you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to see it because you won't believe me. Uh, I don't blame you. If you can find the book of Ezekiel, um, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. If you can find Ezekiel, see if you can find the 18th chapter of Ezekiel. Ezekiel 18. Um, let me begin reading at verse 25. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not just. Now, let, let me tell the New King James uses the word fair there. And, and they're both good words, translating the Hebrew word. But um, just because the issue, I mean, the language of the 21st first century is fair. We're just going to put fair in there like the King James, New King James does. Okay? Yet you say the way of the Lord is not fair. Hear now, O house of Israel, is my way not fair? Is it not your ways that are not fair? Drop down to 29. He says the same thing. Yet the house of Israel says the way of the Lord is not fair. O house of Israel, are my ways not fair? Is it not your ways that are not fair? Ladies and gentlemen, one of the distortions of sin, one of the ways that sin has ravaged us, is that we don't even know how to define the word fairness correctly. Now go back to the question in verse 15. Am I not allowed to do with what belongs to me anything I want? What say you? Guys, you owe it to yourself to answer that question. And when and if you do, it might just change your whole view of God. You know, the one who sent his only begotten son so that he could 
give to us what we didn't deserve? The one who has righteous standards and righteous demands and then he goes and meets those for us and then gives to us the gift of grace and forgiveness. That God. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not ashamed of the gospel either. How could you be ashamed of a gospel that has a God in charge of it? Like this God. It's the gospel that just tells you of the righteousness of God on your behalf. Who would ever be ashamed of this? Our Father, would you use this parable to stir the hearts and minds and souls of your people? Might they find here nothing that is objectionable, but what they find there, might it be exhilarating? Might it be the very thing that, that gives them a greater sense of hope and a greater sense of confidence in who they are and what they can plan on for an eternity. Oh God, I along with many of my brothers and sisters in Christ are here this morning. We glory in the God of all grace. The provision that you made for undeserving folk like me We, we've never really gotten quite used to it. Might we drink more and more deeply of this fountain of undeserved sovereign grace. If you brought people here today, Lord, who, have, who still think in terms of merit their own, would you cause them to see how foolish an ocean that is and draw them to the place where they rest in the finished work of Christ. Do that, O oh God, for Jesus' sake. In his name we pray. Amen.